Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bros Pod is, of course, brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Of course, college basketball started this week, so that's even more basketball action for you to take part in. So head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BLEAV50, that's B-L-E-A-V 50, to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, baseball postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another version of Bill Rodenor Sports. I'm here in an undisclosed location uh, in upstate New York, really raining out here. Uh, I know our, 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 our guest is, well, well, we'll talk about our guest. I don't know when the last time he's seen rain. Uh, but here with my friend and my co-host, uh, the great Jamal Murphy, uh, holding it down in Brooklyn. Murph, what's going on? What's up, Bill? Everything's good here. Rainy as well in Brooklyn. Uh, supposed to rain all day, so that this should be fun. Should be a fun day. I was, uh, my son is supposed to have baseball practice, so I might get out of that. You know, November November baseball. It's great. Yeah, I don't know. I think they're going to make them play. Uh, we'll talk talk about why. That may be our guest uh, new book, but you you sports uh, the the the, uh, the golden uh, the golden goose. Yeah. Uh, anyway, big, big industry. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'd like to introduce, uh, we have a, a, a great guest, uh, a really good friend, uh, outstanding journalist, author, uh, the great Michael Arkosh. Um, Michael Arkosh uh, lives in, now he lives out west in, in California. And uh, we always get this wrong, uh, Michael. He's, he's, he's the author of 12 books or 17. Is it? it <laughs> 15. Is it 15? Yeah. Well, we're giving you two more. <laughs> we're giving you two more. I'll take them. But every time, every time I talk to Mike, I'm all, and we, I have to say, we we've, we've been friends for quite a while, and um, you know, he's been a, you know, a, a good friend, source of inspiration, trying to uh, always uh, goad me into uh, uh, completing the book. You know, like he's been fifteen, I'm like on two, and. Uh, you know, how, how do you, you know, Michael, you, you um, it, it was funny. Um, what's your philosophy about that for, for our readers? Uh, uh, I mean, for our listeners, sometimes I tell young people in our, in our industry, um, you can't compare yourself. That's one of the worst things you could do is begin comparing yourself to other people. However, it is difficult, you know, if, you know, in our business and being an author, I don't know how you felt, but when, you know, you, you've written, let's say some people have not written any books. Some people have written like 20. 
What, what's your philosophy about that? I mean, like I said, you're, you've been very productive. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, your, your latest book coming up with Scottie Pippen. But just in general, what's your advice to young people, uh, students? You know, everybody wants to write books. Everybody wants to do stuff. But what's been your philosophy about uh, comparing yourself to other people in, in the business? It's a no-win proposition. You don't want to do it. Um, there are too many people who have accomplished too much to, to try to set in terms of volume and quality. And you can wind up just getting down on yourself because, oh, I haven't written 25 books or I haven't written, you know, Unbroken or something, right? Um, but I, but I, I think it's actually a source of inspiration to me to see people do that because it gives me hope that if I come up with the right idea and work hard enough, I too can attain something close to that. But I don't think you want to be necessarily compare yourself directly to one person or another. I, I don't think it's a good idea. Yeah, I guess there's a thin line between inspiration and and comparison. You know, you, you, you can look up to people who've done stuff and say, well, I like to do that. Um, yeah, but I mean, it, 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 it's true about the books themselves or articles or magazine pieces. I mean, you can read a, a paragraph or say, oh, boy, I wish I read that is so good. Um, right. But that's great because you feel you feel like, OK, I just have to continue aspiring to that. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. So so speaking of comparison, I just want to read uh, sort of a, a list of of of, uh, of your subjects. Like I said, your latest book um, is with uh, uh, Scotty Pippen, which is outstanding and it just came it just it just literally came out right finally tuesday came yep. out yeah it came out tuesday your subjects have include uh you've written about the fight of the century with uh ali muhammad ali one in fact i i was doing something on the anniversary of it for espn and i reread it just an excellent job of thank the, you uh, then uh you've written books with ray allen sugar ray leonard uh, Kurt Menefee, um, Tim Allen, uh, Payne Stewart, uh, Lee Steinberg, even even uh, Rush Limbaugh, which was I think an unauthorized biography. That was definitely unauthorized. Yeah, which we point to point that out. You've written for Yahoo Sports, the Washington Post. I think we first met when you were writing for the New York Times. You wrote Golf World, uh, People Magazine, the LA Times. Uh, Pasadena Star News, Flint Journal, anything I'm missing. And then, uh, but it just, you just had a remarkable career. It's just a, a, a remarkable career. And I always like to tell the story. Uh, we had one conversation and because you, you know, with a lot of this, you were doing freelance stuff. Uh, but at one point you made a vow that you decided that you only wanted to do books. And I always thought that was so fascinating. Uh, yeah, we're just kind of, Repeat how that came along. Like you, you have this. You had this great career as a journalist. You know, knocking out pieces for all these publications. Uh, but then you came to a conclusion that that's not what you want, to, or you wanted to do something else. How do you? How did you make that that decision? Well, basically, I don't think you can do justice to a book. If you are divided. If you if you're trying to write for a magazine or a newspaper or website, and then trying to do a book on the side, I I just don't believe you can put everything into it that's required. A book takes a tremendous amount of effort, time, commitment. Your mind has to be 
on that book 20, I, I hate to say it, but almost 24 seven, you have to be thinking when you're just walking down the street about an idea, somebody you want to interview, whatever. And it's just so hard to balance that with magazine articles or, uh, and I just decided book writing is what I love the most. And that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a lot of your books have been, uh, as told too. Uh, right. how, how did that, how does that come along? And by the way, yeah. your last book is uh, Unguarded with Scotty Pippen. Uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't sort of uh, naturally gravitate to that. That's sort of how I did a book with a former U.S. Open golf champion, Ken Venturi, who was on CBS for many years. And I really enjoyed that process. I, I wouldn't have thought 15, 20 years ago I, that, oh, I want to do collaborations. But I have enjoyed that tremendously because you get to know... You know, Bill, when you write a column, you, you do a piece and you kind of get to know somebody a little bit, but you never feel like you really get to know them. That right. you, that, and it, only in a collaboration can you spend the, the, the required amount of time to understand a subject. And when I started, did it with Ken and I did it um, with Lee Steinberg and, and I just loved the whole process. And I decided this is the kind of book writing I really want to do. I still want to do my own projects separate that I like Ali Frazier, but this has been a great source of fun. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I remember when you told me uh, a while back that you would about the Pippin collaboration and uh, you know, I thought that was fascinating. And of course it's been in the news, um, you know, it's been in the news for quite a while, the relationship between Pippin and Jordan. Tell me how, how that came about and uh, how did you find, uh, Pippin to, uh, to be. Yeah, it, basically, um, my agent and I discussed it one day, and a couple of weeks later, I met Scotty at a, a restaurant in Beverly Hills, and we had about three or four more meetings where we just talked. Um, I had the tape recorder on, but we just chatted about his career, his life, and for me, that part of the process was: Is this someone I want to get to know? Is this someone I want to mm -hmm. spend time? With? Because if it's not someone that I get along with a year and a half is a long time to try to see the person and, and, and be, be able to tell that person's story. But I knew pretty quickly, this is someone I really wanted to work with. Um, his candor, uh, his decency, his integrity, all that came out very early. So we met about three or four times. And then I worked on, it took me months to really put together the proposal I wanted to put to do. And then once that happened, my agent shopped it around and we got the deal. Ah. What made you think of Pippin? Like, what was it about Pippin that made you even, uh, you know, talk to your agent about that to begin? Well, I, there, there, yeah, there are a lot of different athletes out there who's who I feel, for as much as they've been in the public light, public eye, they they real their stories have not been told. And he is definitely he was definitely very close to the top of that list. Um, I loved watching basketball during those during the nineties, um, even more so than I love it than I like it now. Um, and so I was mesmerized by the bulls, by the, 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 the um, the, the battles with the Pistons, uh, the battles with the jazz, everything. And so I really wanted to dive into that further. And I, I knew that Scotty had never told the story. And so that's how, how it all came about. Yeah. What, what, what did he, you know, there've been the recent controversies, but, but what's the overarching theme? It seems like, uh, the overarching theme is. Scotty feeling he, he wasn't being appreciated and he really honed in on the last dance, you know, the eight part series called the pandemic series that riveted everybody 
uh, you know, that really got under his skin. Uh, they went, is, is that, what, what's, what, what did he want to accomplish in this as you guys spoke? Yeah, well, I think it's interesting. There's a difference between what, what, what's been carried mostly in the press and what really the purpose of the book was. The purpose was Scotty wanted to make sure people understand it is a team game. He was a consummate team player. Um, look at the box scores. Look at all the different areas in which he contributed night after night. Basketball is not an individual game. It is a team game. That is the essence of what he feels. And so what the documentary did was it showed Michael. Um, and it didn't really bring out what the Chicago, who the Chicago Bulls were and how they accomplished everything as a team. So that's really what he wanted to, people to understand and take away from this book. Yeah. Is it true that, or do you think that he feels underappreciated? Because, I mean, he, you know, he was a top 50 all-time guy. He is a top 50 all-time guy, Hall of Famer. But do you, do you feel he, he does feel underappreciated still? Uh, to some degree, but I don't think really that's the essence of it. I, I think he feels that, you know, the last dance was like, this. who would have thought all these years later we would get another look at, at that team? I can't think of any other team in history where we, 20 years later or so, we go back and revisit it. It was almost as if it was happening in real time. And I think he just felt that he wasn't represented the way he wanted to be and should have been. I don't think overall he feels underappreciated just through. But a lot of people who watch that documentary were too young to see the Bulls in, in, in life in real time. So that's the impression that they got, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, you know, that's the whole thing about about life in, in some ways. I remember uh, when Muhammad Ali uh, when they were doing the Muhammad Ali uh, Museum, and I, I walked through it. And, you know, as a journalist, I was thinking, you know what? Everybody, every person should have their own museum because that's how you tell your story. You know, that's your reality. You know, you choose what you put in the museum. And I guess that's sort of what Pippin was about. I just think that we now, we, the way the media is, where athletes are difficult, it's more difficult to get an athlete. That you got the, the layers of people you have to go through, and, and a lot of them want to tell their stories in, in a in a the players' tribune or something where they don't really they don't have to be accountable to right. things, and and I think it's important that that they get that athletes have that form. I think it, because I think if you don't if you don't if you don't tell your story your way, then you have to re just depend on how others tell it. And I think um, Scotty wanted to make sure he got a chance to tell it his way. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, when you guys started this, the la was the last dance going on? Was this post-last dance no, or during we, last dance? We had actually started it right before the last dance. Mm. Ah. We, oh, that must have been just, fascinating. <laughs> yeah, we just before... And yeah, it was really interesting because we had just talked a little bit and then the last dance comes out. So then it brought it, it, it certainly brought a whole new narrative to what we were talking about. No question. Well, what did you think about it? What did you think about? And again, you know, you, you were born in Albany. Uh, you know, you're a New York person. Uh, right. Probably like be your uh, mercenary sports writers with, with no allegiances except to there you the go. project at hand. <laughs> exactly. But but what what the. As, as the last dance unfolded, what was your thoughts about it? I don't know what you thought about Jordan going into this or about Pippen going into this, but what were your thoughts with, with each episode? Well, I, I definitely realized pretty early on that it was 
it was more of a Jordan documentary than than an examination of the whole Bulls. And I was zeroing in on Scotty, no question. I was just watching every moment that he was on to try to figure out what does this mean? How do how do I now approach him about these issues? Um, the quality, I mean, what they were able to bring out, the story, the, from the way they told the story was fascinating in so many levels. And for me, again, it was just, first, it was just, what does this mean about Scotty? That's, that's what I was caring. I, when you, you have to have this kind of tunnel vision when you work on a book, you have to really focus that way. And, and I was able to do that. What was your take on the media? You know, we've mentioned the media a couple of times here and, and, and the way they go about it and, and the way they framed the story and even, even the response to the documentary. What, what did you make of the, of the way the media framed, uh, you know, how, you know, Jordan and Pippen uh, in the documentary? Oh, how they framed it back last year when the when it was coming out. You mean? Yeah, when it, when when the documentary was out, like in terms of, in terms you know rehashing everything that happened. Did did you did you feel that that Scottie Pippen was being treated fairly uh, by the media in response to the documentary? Yeah, I, I think some people treated him fairly, some didn't. Um, I think that um, I don't think they touched upon some of the themes that came out in the book that we worked on in the book, though. I I, I don't think. I don't believe I don't believe Scotty, if I'm not mistaken, had any did any interviews regarding the documentary. I think certain things were alleged to what he felt through other people. Um, but I mean, it was it was incredible. It was really well done. I mean, nobody can dispute that. But again, um, a documentary, it, it's supposed to be the last dance, which means the 97, 98 season. Um, and, and Scotty felt that. So, for example, why was the 1.8 seconds brought in? Why was all that in 1994? That's not part of the last dance. That's one of right. his points. Right. And and there were and there were things like the a very important play where where he um, when he uh, two important things when he went up when he told uh, Malone that the mailman doesn't deliver on Sundays. A really cool moment in the, in the finals. That's not in there. His steal um, in the end of Game Six in the '97 Finals. Not they show it, but you kind of there's no great emphasis to it. So there are certain things that I think he would have liked to have been in there that weren't. Did, I, I'm just curious during during while while you were watching that, I'm sure he was well he'd already seen it, but right. uh, was the thing where you were calling him up like uh, sort of you know after each during commercials or or afterwards? I mean, what what was that like? Oh no no no! But we would talk afterwards. We would talk like a two or three days later or whatever. I wasn't calling him up during commercials, but <laughs> but uh, I've done that kind of thing before actually with somebody else. But um, not in this case. It was more uh, just taking a lot of notes and themes that I wanted to explore further. But um, that's where the pandemic was. It was interesting. I mean, not only did it give you wonder if the pandemic had not happened, this was going to be on during the NBA Finals. Which meant, I mean, pe people after watching the finals or around that, how interested would they have been in watching this during that time? Somewhat, but not to the level it was at. This was the only thing we could watch, right? Right, right. So it, it's hard to say how all that would have evolved. And, and um, but, but because of all this focus, I think Scott intensified Scotty a little bit. Wait a minute. This is not how I want it to be represented in certain ways. An, an interesting thing to me is, you know, you, you you talk about how, you know, the documentary is supposed to be about the Bulls and it, was, it, it became kind of all about Jordan. But, you know, I, I was a teenager at the time and 
I feel like real time, it was kind of the same thing. I mean, it was a, you know, that it was the Bulls, but Jordan was no question the guy. Um, so was there really a, you know, should Scotty have been surprised by, by how the documentary came out? Um, I think he, should he have been surprised? I, it, that's the whole thing. I mean, he sort of was, and then he realized maybe I, sh- I shouldn't have been. <laughs> right, but, right. You know, I mean, here's the thing. You know what the Bulls' record in the playoffs was with Michael without Scotty? No. One in nine. They won. Mm-hmm. Michael Jordan won one playoff game in his career with the Bulls when Scottie Pippen wasn't there. Okay. Um, and obviously no titles. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's so true that Michael would, that they would, they would not have been the Bulls without Michael, obviously, but they would not have been the Bulls without Scotty. No Scotty Pippen on that team. I don't see the Bulls winning any titles. Do you? No, right. unless they had another top 50 guy. Right. right. Yeah. Well, that, that, I mean, I guess that, that gets, you know, you, you know, that don't let me forget to ask you this question. I wanted to ask you what you learned about the media, our business during this process. Uh, but, but before I get that, but this whole dilemma of being number two in a century, you know, you did the fight of the century with Ali and Frazier. And Frazier was kind of in that situation with Ali, too. I mean, it's, it's different sports, but in terms of if, if there had been no Muhammad Ali, Frazier clearly may have been considered the fighter of his century. But if there had been no Ali, there would have been no Frazier, you know. Right. So how do you work with that? You know, when, when you're dealing with a Jordan Pippen, uh, Will Chamberlain, Bill Russell, you, we could probably go on and on and on. And although it's a team sport, it's a team sport made up of individuals. So I wonder how a guy like, and how you as an author and as a cultural critic, um, who's, you know, dealing with this thing with Pippen and Jordan, how do you sort of break the news to both of them? Yes, Scotty, you're right. You know, you are underappreciated, but if there's no him, there's no you. And granted, if there's no you, there's no him. But if there's one A, if there's A and A1, you know, Jordan clearly would be A. Well, he under he understands. Look, he and this is throughout the book. He totally uh, understands the greatness of Michael Jordan as a player. I mean, he 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 appreciated that from day one. Um, but I think that we get we in the media and we as fans get so enamored by who's number one that we too often neglect number two. And you're so right about Frazier. Um, Joe Frazier was an amazing fighter, and he yes, he's going to be dwarfed forever by by Ali because Ali was a once in a century type performer. No question about it. But, um, and, and, but Frazier, that's interesting. I've never made the Frazier Pippen comparison bill. I have to think about that. That's really interesting, <laughs> but um, I, maybe I have a special elite, a special interest in people who are not regarded by many as the number one guy. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. How, how did you, uh, I know that you got to know Pippen before, uh, how did you come out of this? Uh, is there stuff about him? I know you probably always liked him or yes. you, you wouldn't have done it. But um, as you as you went on this journey with him, uh, what are some other things that you learned about him that you liked or, uh, or just learned about that were new? Well, I, I would say that his, his how he overcame. I don't think of an, another athlete in any major professional sport who has overcome as much as he did to accomplish as much as he did. And you look back at um, a father who has a stroke 
a brother who gets paralyzed in, in, in a gym class, um, one of 12, not very, you know, very poor, um, kicked off his high school team, doesn't get a college scholarship. I mean, you know, and even when he played well in college, for the most part, until very late, nobody knew who he was. I mean, that would not happen today. You know, somebody's eight years old and plays great. It's on YouTube, right? I mean, it's, it, it, we don't have athletes under the radar as much as we did then. And just so how do you keep believing in yourself when that goes on? How do you still feel that your path is there toward greatness? I don't know. How, you know, I, 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 that's something I'm always trying to understand. How does someone have that kind of confidence? He did. And he worked hard at it. And look what happened. Did that background, do you think... I mean, it obviously, it obviously had to fuel him in some way. You know, normally the narrative would go with someone like that. Oh, they play with a chip on their shoulder. His whole, you know, his whole career. But Scotty wasn't really portrayed that way. You know, you know, he didn't, he didn't play with a scowl on his face and and that type of thing. But do you think he had that? He's always had that chip on his shoulder based on the upbringing. No, I don't think it's a chip on his shoulder. I mean, I think that. You have to remember also one of 12 kids. Isn't it interesting that one of 12 and then one of 12 as a basketball player? <laughs> I think I think that he always felt he his family means the world to him. And I think that the teammates in many ways, in many ways, became his family, um, you know, on the court. And that he treasured his he cherished his his opportunity to play that role of a facilitator. I mean, nothing made him happier than to help other people, to help his teammates, whether it's a pat on the back, whether it's a pass in that, let's say a shooter misses four or five shots in a row. How do I get that guy in a position for him to succeed? And that, you know, that meant the world. individual accomplishments never meant that much to him. It was the team, always the team. And I think that's the essence of basketball. And he truly believed. Yeah. yeah but yet you have this moment you know, the Kukos moment, which in a way could be interpreted as being antithetic to teammanship, where, you know, you've got this, this special moment and the coach has decided that this person is better to take the last shot. And in the spirit of the team, you would think that you just go out and uh, participate. But what Scotty did was was not do that. How do you, how do you, again, you know, you spoke to him about it. Uh, you, you were there in the moment, you know, years ago. Now you had, you know, decades. How do you reconcile the two things? His love was of being a team member versus that moment. Right. Well, two things. Number one, he's asked to throw the ball and bounce. So he's not even on the court as a decoy, as another mm -hmm. option. Face the ball. They can't get the ball into Tony. So, I mean, that and when you're take the ball out of bounds with 1.8 seconds to go, there's nothing. You're done with the play. You're not going to get the. That's not enough time for you to get the ball back and take a shot or do anything. So that was one, but he had, he had for so long, um, he'd been, you know, in the eyes of many people, obviously second to Michael on that team. Now he, now this is his team. And I, and, and so he wasn't rewarded with his moment. The game was tied. Um, they missed a shot. We're going to OT. Um, so I think that he really feels that he wasn't, he was denied his moment. Uh, can you think of a, an athlete of that level? Uh, not a, given a chance in these days, not given a chance to make, I mean, kind of a player comparable to Scotty and the game is tied in the playoff game. And that guy doesn't get the shot. It, to me, it would be hard to find somebody like that. Right. Right. But you're not supposed to, but in his theory, it, under his theory, 
that that's the pride. And I'm just debating this because it's, you know, you know, you know, but in uh, uh, his theory of being a team player, you're saying there's a team player, but there's also been respect of your status, of your stature. So it, in some ways, it's, it's, it's a conflict. I mean, you, you know, based on the theory, you're just supposed to kind of swallow your pride and go sit on the bench and then, you know, celebrate with everybody afterwards, have cake. But you're saying that there's that's not realistic. Well, I, I think respect comes into it. I think that that he was he deserved that moment. Um, he truly he he had taken a team without Michael Jordan, 55 wins um, far beyond what anybody expected. And, and then you're and, and, and yet you're not giving him a chance to have his. He never had his individual moment where he made some great shot at the end. Never in, in a big game like this. Uh, he made great defensive plays at the end and all that. And this was his moment to do that. And, and it's an incredible, in his mind, it was a, a great lack of disrespect. But I understand very well, Bill, what you're saying. I get the, I get the, the sort of dichotomy here. I do. I would have been pissed off too, by the way. And, and, of course, <laughs> you know, and then he went right into my wheelhouse where he, he brought in racism uh, and said that it was also, you know, I'm, I'm the last one. Uh, to to object to to somebody who made great white hope. So I, I mean, but what what did you make of that when he said when he because uh, that touched off a firestorm too when he said well, that uh, yeah yeah but as as it explains in the book I mean this is just something he told himself for years years because he was so upset about being denied his moment but this once those comments came out in print I think he realized I know he realized that you know that's not really that's just the frustration he expressed and that. Um, that, that, that's not his true feeling about Phil. Okay. And, um, it, it was, it was just disappointment, great disappointment that he wasn't given his moment period. Yeah. yeah and it's all, yeah. It's, it's like he, you know, he had played, like you said, he played the ultimate teammate role for so long. And then, you know, the, the, the obvious opportunity for him to, to get some credit comes and he doesn't get it. I'm also wondering about, you know, you, you talk about, they won 55 games that year. Uh, without Jordan and as Pippen as, as the best player. A lot of people give credit to Phil Jackson for that. The, so it's, it's almost like even, even in that sense, he doesn't get, you know, you know, true amount of credit for, for that season even. Well, yeah. yeah. Here's the thing with Scotty. I mean, there were two times that he came fairly close to a moment that would have established his, perhaps his greatness in a different way, separate from Michael. Number one was the 93-94 season. 55 games, they're down 2-0. They, they go to a game seven. And let's not forget game five in that series where they were, the Bulls were up and Hugh Hollins made a call at the end of, near the end of the game that really, in many people's, even was, uh, many people's opinion, was a terrible call. And the Bulls would have won that game. They would have won three, gone up 3-2. Then they would have beaten the, probably beaten the Knicks in game six, won that series, played Indiana in the conference finals, you can make a very strong case they would have beaten Indiana and then gone on to beat Houston in the NBA Finals. Now imagine Scottie Pippen does all that, and they win the NBA title then. Now, number two, 99-2000, 2000 season, when they played the Lakers, when he was on the Blazers. Game seven, Blazers up 15 points in the fourth quarter. The winner of that game plays Indiana, okay? twice Scottie Pippen came and the Blazers lost that game. Lakers came back, but the Blazers were like, I think missed 13 shots in a row in the fourth quarter, something like that. So you think how close Scottie Pippen came to one or two rings without Michael Jordan. 
the whole conversation, the whole narrative of him would be different. Oh, yeah. Right, right, right. You know, the, the, the irony of this, too, is that uh, you wrote the book in 2004, the last season, with Phil Jackson. Right. You know, so Phil Jackson clearly is somebody who you got to know, you know. And right. uh, what a couple things. Uh, so you got to know him. So uh, to what role did he play in helping fill in the blanks with Scotty? Because clearly, and, and facilitating the relationship with Scotty. Because cl you know, clearly you knew him well, you know him well. Now you got her family, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I talked to Phil a little bit about Scotty. I talked to a number of people about Scotty, and they were very teammates. I think it, whenever I do a book with a, a, an athlete, I try to talk to as many different people around that athlete as possible. We can't all remember every detail of our lives. Right. But I spoke to other people and brought up different triggered a lot of details and memories that he he um he was able to talk about phil was huge for scotty i mean scotty has tremendous respect for phil um phil comes in scotty after two years as with doug collins as a coach and and really emphasizes that team with longer text winner all right emphasizes that team concept that scotty believes so much in and um that made it all the difference in the world to him as an individual and through his and in his career. You know, we talked about obviously the big the Ku coach shot, one point eight seconds. The the other uh, instance in Pippen's career that that always comes up as a negative for him uh, is the the nineteen ninety game seven Pistons and, and the migraine. All right. Um, and All right. you know, I I I get migraines, so I know you can't play a basketball game with, with when that happens. But you know, it just seems like people kind of either portray it as he was just scared or faked it or whatever. So how, how does he, you know, remember that, that time period? And, and what does he think about, you know, the, the people's reaction to it? Well, I mean, at the time, I mean, there were a couple of people in the press who really went after him for that, but I mean, it was, this is how he felt. He tried, he played 42 minutes in that game and people came up to him who've had migraines later on and said, how did you stay on the court for 42 minutes? Um, he did his best. Um, this is game seven Pistons in, in Detroit. Um, it's hard to say whether the Bulls would have been, able, even with Scotty at 100%, who knows what, what would have happened. Um, but it was, you're right, it was a real negative, and people brought that up. But I think the interesting thing was two days later, he basically is back on the, in the weight room, determined to kind of make up, determined to really get the Bulls on track for that title, their first title. And, I, and that goes for the whole team, basically. That loss to the Pistons in 1990, in many ways, was the best thing that happened to them. And they wind up winning three titles in a row right after that. Right. Yeah. You know, one of the things that uh, I told you, I just read the book, I've been listening to it. And, you know, it seems as if, I guess it's all of our lives, when you when you go back and review certain things, no, you know, what, what does they say? Uh, the moving finger writes and having read moves on. And, you know, he really, there are a couple of things that happened that he cannot erase, no matter how, you know, one of them was, you know, the migraine game. And I think there may have been, you know, and, and, and the Kukos issue, you know, that you can't go back in history and you can't erase certain things. But it seems as if the whole tone of the book, and, and, may, and, and I don't know, maybe you've spoken with him about this, that this book, although you can't erase things in history, you could kind of make peace with what you've accomplished. Well, no, uh, that's, you can add things. I mean, yeah. he, he understands that the migraine, he understands the perception of the migraine and the 1.8 seconds. He's not naive about that. But look at 
I can give you one example after another, how the clinching game against the Lakers in 91, look at his numbers there. Um, there was a big game against the Knicks in 93 when the Bulls were down 2-0 and how he came through. There are countless examples in playoff games where he was, he played, he was the most outstanding player on the court that day. And that was pivotal for the Bulls to win in advance. Um, he was a big time performer over and over. And that's also part of the body of work that we have to evaluate. Do you think that, that Pippen, you know, that he's been kind of portrayed through the book and, you know, in his uh, interviews afterwards, that he's kind of taking shots at Michael Jordan. Is that, is that really it? Or one part of it, he's taking, a, he took, he, shows some criticism at different times, but there's so many examples in the book of praise and respect he had for mm -hmm. Michael on the court, things that Michael did that no one else could do. He admired that and, and, and understands that we, we all, sometimes the, the press, like, I mean, I understand we focus on the negative, but you have to look at all of it together. And he appreciates it. Look at Michael Jordan. He asked Michael Jordan to present him at the hall of fame in 2010. Okay. Right. He has great respect for Michael. Yeah, I thought uh, the one part of the book where, you know, uh, and I agree with you. I mean, he was uh, very, not not gracious, but realistic in terms of what he thought about Jordan. You know, uh, the, the one where, uh, you know, uh, when they were playing the Knicks and Jordan got in Xavier McDaniel's face, yeah, you right. know, which is not an easy thing to do, you know. And, and, you know, he said that that basically helped turn the tide of that series, not not that the Knicks backed down, but he just set the tone. Jo it was Jordan who did that, and I think you're right that he he acknowledges what Jordan's greatness. I guess the issue is he acknowledges Jordan's greatness, but then I ask you, but what he wishes, what you know, he he acknowledges Jordan is great, but I was here too. Is that yeah. kind of thing? Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, I. Yeah, he was there too. And not just him, by the way. John Paxton, BJ Armstrong, Will. I mean, I think it wasn't just that he was sort of overshadowed and not given not given enough respect. It was the other people he played with, Kerr, uh, Longley, through all the six championships. You they were too often considered bit players or supporting cast. That was Michael's expression, right? No, I'm sorry. These this all group belongs together. Right, right. I wanted to ask you about Pippen uh, personally because another narrative that that, that kind of goes around um, is that you know he's bitter and he wants to sell the book and he needs money and it's whiskey. You know, I, and you, how how is how is Scottie Pippen personally and you know doing now? No, I mean, look, a lot of a lot of false narratives get spread, um, and he's very content he's very happy he spends a lot of time with his family he um he, he loves his kids um none of none of so much of what i've seen out there is not accurate and um he's a great guy i mean i'm i i i the more and more i got to know him, the more i admire him um and the more i look forward to seeing what chapters are left or you know next in his life i mean i don't i can't put it any clearer yeah what what is what are some things uh like you said you saw our business in a new light in terms of the mistruths half-truths uh, doing stuff that sells uh what give, give, give us some examples of things that 
you see marriages you've seen that you know are just not right or just blatantly unfair or blatantly self-serving? Well, I don't want to, I'm not going to be specific about these certain people, but I saw things, I saw things that people said were in the book that were not in the book. And once it's reported, I think sometimes once it's reported one place, then people then jump on that. Um, I mean, I think this, the media coverage by and large has been really, um, I, I've, has been good, but just examples where I saw people just assume or take liberties with material that they thought was in the book that was not. And you have to do due diligence. You have to really examine that. And that's all. Yeah. Is, is he in a good place? You, you just said he's happy. Yeah, he's in a great place. Sol solvent. Uh, you know. Holy, yes. Great place. Fantastic yeah. place. I want to yeah. be in a place that good. Don? I want to be in a place that good. He's in a great place. <laughs> did, he, did he talk about his son as all? His son at all? His son is at uh, Vanderbilt. I yeah. Uh, yeah, he's, he's like uh, I think he he flirted with the draft last summer. Right, um, right. He's he's supposed to be one of the best players in college basketball this year. Yeah. Oh no, he's excited beyond belief about his son and and the potential there will be really interesting to see what kind of season he has and what prospects prospects are next spring. Um, yeah, no, he's very proud. He's proud of all his kids. How many how many children does he have, Mike? He's had seven. One Antron died. Uh, hmm you know, a few months back. And that was very difficult for him. Um, but, um, you know, a lot of times, you know, we would need to do interviews and all that. And, but then there was a commitment. I always respected how important the commitment was to his family. And I totally, and I was glad that that came first. Right. What that he did not want you to talk to his kids. Oh no, it wasn't that. I'm just saying that, let's say I wanted to interview him on a certain day. No, I have got to be here with my fan, my son here. I've got to oh, do I something. Or all that. That's great. Fantastic. Absolutely. It's funny. You mentioned his son uh, at Vanderbilt. That may be one area that he'll defeat Michael Jordan. Cause Jordan, <laughs> his, his, neither of his sons have come close to, you know, to uh, getting on the stage. So if, if Pippen's son gets drafted, <laughs> he said, I may not beat you in this life. I'll beat you in that. My, in the next I know, one. you know, you know, it's funny, but I mean, I, I don't think that's again, I, he's not competing against. He, it wasn't a competition against Michael Jordan. It was a competition. It was just, hey, folks, you know, this generation right now, we were the Chicago Bulls. We were not a one man operation. And in basketball, look at one man operate teams do not win in basketball. Um, right. And any, I mean, it, it, LeBron, even when I think when Cleveland won, I mean, who Kyrie Irving hit the, hit the key shot, right. When they won it a few years ago, um, no, it, when, LeBron, when LeBron basically was one guy, he didn't win a title. He, he goes to Miami. It, it just has to be, it's a team game. And I, I guess that's sort of the irony, not the irony is not the correct word, but in our generation where it has to be one guy. Yes, it is a team sport. But we, we, we will focus on uh, Lamar Jackson or we'll focus on LeBron James, where really, you know, that's just what we have to do. And if, and if you just happen to be Scottie Pippen, for example, that's kind of your lot, you know. Well, um, let me just jump on that. We are an individualistic culture. The emphasis right. is on the individual. When they do prom promos for Monday Night Football, they don't say the Baltimore Ravens against the Miami Dolphins. They write they Lamar Jackson and the this always they always have to have that individual. We sell individuals more than we sell teams all the time. Right, right, right. Uh, let, let, one, one, one last thing for me. Well, the thing that Jordan and 
uh, Scotty do agree on is their dislike for Isaiah Thomas. Uh, <laughs> they both, you know, and I was, I was, it, it was interesting to hear because you do get the sense. I, I've always got the sense of Scotty, though I haven't really met him, spent time around him, that he is one of those persons who may not hold a grudge or whatever. He, you know, even here, I don't know if this book is about a grudge, it's about telling my side of the story. But clearly, he's not, Isaiah will never be invited. To, to a party. I mean, you know, he made it clear that he ain't interested in it. Just like his son, uh, who was paralyzed by the bully, said that, that, you know, the bully wanted, you know, years later come back. He said, no, I have I want nothing to do with that. And that's right. how Scotty is with Isaiah. The door is closed. The train has left the station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, he, and he gives examples of things that Isaiah said or did um, that support that. Um, you know, I, I think the, the Pistons did walking off with that 7.9 seconds left in game four of 1991. Talked about things people have to live with. That's part of something that the Bulls, that the Pistons have to live with forever, I think. Right. Don't you agree? Right. Yeah. Right. And I thought even, even, uh, and I, we've been over this, but uh, the whole thing with Isaiah not being on the dream team was always laid at Michael's feet. But what you clearly, with the sky, it wasn't just Michael. It was no. a lot of people. It was in the documentary. That, yeah, Chuck Daly did not come to uh, Isaiah's support like people would have assumed, yeah. Right, right. Let me, let me just ask you, I know you don't want to compare people. You, you, Like you said, you've done 15, 15 books and you've done with a lot of individuals. I, I, this is an unfair question, but, you know, you, you know, I'm in the media still, so I'll be unfair. But you, you, you've dealt with some very fascinating individuals, whether it's Venturi, whether it's, uh, you know, Ray Allen, uh, Sugar Ray Leonard was fascinating. I guess it's like asking you, which of your field children do you like best? Do you have sort of an all-star list of people you, you know, if you were going to be on a desert island and you could only take, you only had room for three, you know, which three would you bring on your deserted island? You're right. I'm not going to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, will say, I will say this. I have learned great qualities I have seen greatness up close and it, and, and, and I, I always try to figure out what do they possess and I can sort of bring to my own life and the, own, the way I treat my family, my friends, and the way I try to achieve things in my professional life. Sacrifice, diligence, dedication, compassion, whatever those qualities are, I have seen those qualities in abundance in all the people that I have interviewed. And that to me means a lot as well. How do I become a better person? Is there a thread that runs through all these people? Like I keep thinking about Sugar Ray and and sacrifice. and uh, huh? Sacrifice. Hmm. Uh, what you know? It, it's a cliche, but to achieve greatness, you have to sacrifice. It doesn't. It's not natural. It's not automatic. You've got to put in the work, and all of them put in an amazing amount of work from day one. And they and they didn't relent. They didn't waver. They kept at it. And that's what separates them. There are a lot of great players in sports, even players who are borderline Hall of Famers, who you could probably look at and say they did not achieve as much as they could have. Hmm. Right. Right. Because uh, was were you doing this book when, when Kobe died? Uh, that, before, that was February pre-pandemic, right? Yep. Yes. Just about yeah, a month okay. ago. So he wouldn't have he wouldn't have commented about that. No, because I mean, that it didn't really happen. But Scotty yeah. had 
Scotty had great has great respect for Kobe. I mean, he really, really admired the way Kobe played and 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 him as a person. Absolutely. Is there anybody in today's NBA that he kind of looks at in terms of like he kind of plays like I did or I appreciate his game more so because it because it's kind of how I was on how how I played on the court? Um, I, you know, I, I seem to recall, I, I can't think specifically right now, but I mean, I, there have been times when players like that team players, definitely. But mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I can't recall exact names right now. Sorry. Yeah. But yeah. at different times you say, Oh, I like the way that guy played yeah, that game that night we talked, but I tried to stay away from that. I really wanted to focus on his, his time, his games, not, you know, what's going on now, but he loves, he loves the NBA. So what can I say? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Our guest has been the great Michael Arkosh, uh, author of 15 books. Uh, more, I'm sure, as we speak now, uh, you're on, you're, you're getting ready. You're, you've already thought about 16, 17. Is that correct? That is correct. <laughs> okay. Can you can you share? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Just break off a piece and give me one. That's all I ask. <laughs> all right. Hey. Um, Michael, proud, proud alum. How long you 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 uh, you were alumna of, of University of Michigan? Correct. Um, you know, have you thought of tackling uh, the big uh, NCAA football industrial complex? Um, I would love to do a book related to Michigan at some point, and I've had different ideas. Nothing's happened so far, but yeah, I mean, I I, I remain a Wolverine diehard. Um, I'm still trying to figure out what is necessary for them to get in the college football playoff. Number six in both basketball and football right now, by the way. Mm. Oh, basketball is ah. looking good. Oh, uh, basketball. Feel story. Juwan Howard's doing an amazing job. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Maybe he'll be the next one. <laughs> Maybe. God. Hey, 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 Michael, this is great, man. Thank you so much, man. This has been, uh, it's been great. It's, it's always great talking books and journalism with you and uh, in your insights. I guess there's one last pip and piece. Was he satisfied with this, with the project? Oh, yeah, he loved it. Oh, no, no. He got enormous pleasure out of it and um, is, very, is very satisfied. And, and that's always something that I'm, I'm, I'm checking in on, make sure he's happy. You know, I would send him a chapter here, a chapter there, just to kind of keep things going. And yeah, he's very happy. Right. And I guess that's the difference. I keep saying I'm going to let you go. But I guess that's the difference between writing a book with somebody and doing what we, we typically do, as I'll do as a columnist. Rarely, I'll never send somebody, I'll never even tell you, I may, may, at best, in my old age, I may say, well, I may tell you how I'm quoting you, but I'm not sending you the whole thing. There's a whole different relationship, right? Oh, wait, have you changed, so you changed that a little bit where you're, that that's that was an evolution for you in saying that you're going to quote somebody. Would you read the quotes to the person? It it depends. You know, it's, it's case by case. I hate even doing that. Uh, yeah. I hate even because I feel that it's, you know, if you trust me enough to, you know, do, you know. But, yeah, I maybe I, I, maybe once or twice I'll let them know this is how I'm going to quote you. And particularly if I have an issue, if I have maybe if I don't I want to make sure I got the context right. Or, you know, but it's, you know, that's, it's a different thing where yours, I guess you're, because in a way you're dealing with a partnership with somebody. Oh yeah, it is, it's a, a total way. It is a partnership. Absolutely. I mean, I, I want him to be happy with every single syllable in that book. No mm, question. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even if you have to make a change near the end, um, I'll, I'd call him up and say, okay, if I, this to this and he, 
and he'd listen and most of the time say yes, a couple of times say no. Can we do this instead? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Did you did you talk to Jordan about this? No. Did I talk to Jordan? No. Yeah. Did, would you want to? Um, I didn't see the fact. I don't think it would have really. I, I think I would have had where how many questions would I have had for him? It would have been endless. And I don't think I would have gotten much time. <laughs> No, really. So right. I guess you could thing is this is Pippa's book, and then you almost get into a back and forth. Which right. What's what's the point of getting to a back and forth? Because he's not gonna agree with this. <laughs> no, and by the way, and, and, and talking to other people was oh that was such a small part of the process. And that was just sort of if I, there was some incident in a certain game and I heard about it, I wanted a different perspective and get more color than go back to Scotty and ask him what his, you know, something like that. But it was never that was just a more minor part of the process and, and did phil ever talk to you uh, on or off the record about the the ku coach uh episode why his rationale why he did it why he thought it was better i did not talk to phil about the ku coach incident no maybe you should go call him call him after we hang up yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay bill i will do that all right hey the All great right. mike archives hey mike you're, you're the best man i always always appreciate your friendship and i will be calling you soon you got it take care thank All you right. michael take care jamal take, take care. care that was a great michael archives always uh always uh, love talking with him um you know so what'd you think no, it was great. That was great. Got some insight. I, I feel a little uh a little more sympathetic to to Pippin after after that conversation. Uh why, know, why did why why did you not feel sympathetic to Pippin? What was your perception of Pippin before? Well, I mean, I I don't it hasn't changed my perception, but it's more like, you know, just the fact that he, you know, it was more the book was more about him telling his side of the story rather than, you know, not acknowledging that, you know, Jordan was a great player or that, you know, Jordan is what drove that Bulls team is more like, well, remember, other people played a huge role and we don't and we don't think that that's being recognized. And that's fair. Right. I think in a team sport, that's fair. Right. But what, what did you think of Pippen? I mean, that he was soft or that he was. Well, oh, no, no, no. Well, no, I, I felt I felt that I've always felt that, you know, when he says, particularly when he says, you know, Jordan Basically, I helped. We helped make Jordan. I helped. Jordan wouldn't have been Jordan without me. Is there's there's no question to me that it's the same. It's e easily the same, vice versa, or even more so. That I don't. There's no Pippin without Jordan. You know, there. Right. You know, we You know, I watched. Uh, you know, growing up, you watched these games when 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 Pippin came in. It's not like he came in a, a ready product at all, as where Jordan kind of did. You know, of course he he didn't win early, but Jordan. You know, on the court. He, there was really no no one was his equal from the very beginning, whereas Pippen had to be was kind of brought along. And I always gave Jordan some credit for that. And you could give Phil Jackson credit also. But he was kind of, you know, brought along to the point where he became a player that that Jordan absolutely needed and could rely on. So right. for, for Pippen taking shots at Jordan and really. I also feel like there's no. I don't feel Pippen has to really point all this out because he, you know, as I mentioned before, he's a he is a top fifty guy. He's a Hall of Famer. He he is recognized as one of the best players ever. You're just you just weren't the the you know the number one guy on that team. Yeah, you weren't generally agreed upon as like the number one person. Right. You know, and maybe maybe that bothers you. 
I don't know. Right. Yeah. And the whole and the cool coach thing, that's a that's a true thing. Even more than like I said, even more than the migraine thing. Migraine, I mean, if you're sick, you're sick, right? And if people don't want to accept that, that you know, that that's that's just something I feel like people will bring up if they really want an argument against Pippin. If they really try hard to argue against Pippin, you bring up the migraine game because you don't know what really went into it. That's what I didn't even realize he played 42 minutes with a migraine. That's unbelievable. Like if you know, if that's if 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 he really had a migraine, he played 42 minutes. That's unbelievable. But the cool coach thing, I just don't think you can you can take, you know, even even when uh you know Michael tried to explain that away, it did it, it you could it's very hard to do because if you're such a team player and right. you're you're a pass first guy, you know, you're the inbounder, you're making the pass. It, you you will get credit, you know. If if you make the pass and the guy hits the shot, that's that's partly it's an assist, technically. So you're gonna get right. credit. So I, that that cool coach one is a tough one to swallow. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of tough, particularly when you talk with a team. I mean, if you know your, your son plays little league sports, and you know you wouldn't tolerate that. You no. know, if you were a coach, you wouldn't tolerate that. If you wanted to put, you wanted to pass him, and he's like sits down, no. you probably kick him off the team. No, even as his father, even if I thought that he should get the shot, I'm not. I'm not allowing that. You got to get in there and make that pass. Right, right. So, Scott, you got to live with that. You know, <laughs> you know, just like Isaiah's got to live with, you know, everybody, you know, everybody walking around got to live with their decisions, you know. Right. But it is fair for him to write a book and, and, and explain his, you know, the way he saw things. And, you know, like like uh, Arkash said, uh, you know, add to the story of what hasn't been told and, and, and explain to people who weren't there, you know, the big role that he did play. That's fair. But but my thing is. I mean, you're in the Hall of Fame. We know this. You know, we're in the, you're in the Hall of Fame. You're top. You're on the dream team. I mean, what what other recognition do you need? Right. Just like and Isaiah Thomas has something he'll have to live with. Never being on the dream team. Right. You know, and that was interesting. So, you brought that up about Chuck Daly. You know, not really yeah. having his back. And what is that? Because well, I guess Daly's say? in a tough position because he's got to coach all these guys. Right. And and if you're going to try to bring that up, you're not going to have a team. Right, because Jordan would not have played, uh, Scotty would not have played, and who knows? Maybe Bird would not say, "I'm not in the fight," but fuck, I ain't gonna play without these guys. Yeah, but, yeah and know. Bird didn't like him either. Remember, remember Isaiah, Isaiah said that you know he, he oh yeah, he wouldn't be anything if he wasn't. Uh, you just be another if he was if, if he you were black, you just be another player. Yeah. Right, so I'm sure Bird had some resentment towards him as well. So I mean, yeah, Chuck Daly was a great coach, right? He was a great coach, right. and he was a great coach of that dream team. Because he, he kept a tunnel focus on that team. And, he, and while when he went back to Detroit, he, you know, that's different. You know, I got to incorporate Isaiah. But the best thing for this dream team and for us winning the goal was to keep Isaiah off this team. Right. I, I wonder what those conversations were like that he had. That, that may be another, the, the conversation between Daly and, and Isaiah, right. you know. Right. You know. So anyway, maybe we'll have, uh, maybe we'll have Isaiah on at some point. Yeah, well, I'm just, uh, hey, he's he's all he you know he's at NBA TV, he's used to this stuff. That'd be a great yeah. interview, actually. Yeah, it probably would be. Yeah, you gotta reach out. All to right, Mike. Uh, all right, Jamal. Listen, man, this has been great. Uh, you know, get the book, get 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 the uh, the Pippin book. Yes. Uh, unguarded, uh, Scotty Pippen, uh, written with Michael Arkosh, and of course, listen to our podcast, right? Yes, listen to our podcast. Keep listening. If you're listening, you know you can get this podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, uh, Spotify, and follow us on 
Instagram at Bros Pod. Follow us on Twitter at Bros Pod. Interact with us. Tell us uh, what you thought of our episodes and w- what you would want us to talk about. What what guests you would like us to have. All that good stuff. And of course, as always, we are brought to you by Bet Online. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, this uh, this will probably go up uh, soon. So you know, yes. Uh, the, the Baltimore Ravens just lost. They lost uh, on Thursday night football to the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll get back. We'll get to the uh, next next episode. I'll, I'll give my updated. We'll do the new, uh, the new quarterback the ratings. The new black QB power ratings. Uh, we'll update that next week. But, uh, you know, I was I was thinking of having Lamar back on top uh, based on what was going on. But uh, that was a tough loss to the Dolphins. But a must win for uh, my guy, Brian Flores, uh, yeah. coach of the Dolphins. He, he needed that win more than anything. I know. He needs he need to win more than Lamar. Yeah. <laughs> he definitely needs that win more than Lamar. No question about that. <laughs> All right. All right, everybody. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be with you again next week for another scintillating episode of Bro's Pod. Until then, uh, continue to be careful, be safe, and uh, continue to pray. God bless everybody. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.